Well, welcome once again as we continue our series entitled, Awake My Soul, because we all sleep. Average American sleeps about eight to ten hours a night, probably closer to six if we were honest, but, but we all sleep. And sleep is a good thing, particularly if you're sleeping at home in your bed at night, because sometimes we fall asleep at the wrong time. Or at the wrong place, we fall asleep at work or at school or even at church or most sadly in life. In life, sometimes we go through the motions. We check out. We don't really live. And that's why the psalmist writes, wake up. Awake my soul. Ring the alarm. Stop going through the motions and live. Henry David Thoreau wrote it this way, Most men live lives of quiet desperation and go to their grave with their song still in them. Ben Franklin said it this way, Many men die at 25 or they're not buried until they're 75. But St. Irenaeus wrote it well when he wrote, The glory of God is man fully alive, that God is most glorified when men and women, boys and girls, are most alive in him. And that's why the psalmist wrote, wake up, ring the alarm, wake up and live. And that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. We've been studying the book of Psalms and yelling to our souls, wake up to wisdom, wake up to worship, wake up to sorrow, wake up to justice. And this morning, wake up to forgiveness and a way to kick off our morning, I'd like to show you a clip from one of the greatest TV shows ever. And uh, some of you may be too young to remember this, but of course it takes place in Wisconsin, and the, and the Cunninghams are having some happy days. And, and Arthur Fonzarelli, he says some words that he later regrets. He's offended his friend, and he has a conversation with Patsy Weber. Don't forget that Fon's real. I mean, it's not important. <laughs> I figured I'd hang in the barracks and cheer up the guys. Mal, you're not going to hang these up in any barracks because you're not going to join the Marines. Just take all this stuff home, okay? But Fonzie, not join? I'm all packed. You told me it was the right thing to do. Look, I know what I told you to do, but when I told you to do that, I was... <laughs> Ralph... I was, I was not exactly right. What do you mean, not right? I mean, not right. I don't get you. You mean you were wrong? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfa. I was what you just said I was just then, yeah. Wrong? The Fonz wrong? Malf, look. <laughs> there is a first time for everything, huh? I don't understand, Fonz. How could you be wrong about a thing like that? Look, I don't understand it myself, Ralph. I don't understand it myself. I was under a lot of pressure. I was under a lot of cause, too. Two of them were Edsels. Maybe the pressure was getting to me. I don't know. No, Fonzie. You might have been under a lot of cars, but you weren't wrong. You were right. Everything you said about me was true. I'm useless around here. I got to join. Everybody hates me. I'll see you. Mouth. I didn't tell you why I was, uh... Wrong? Mm. <laughs> I didn't tell you why you shouldn't join the Marines. Why shouldn't I go, Fonz? I mean, tell me. Because if you join the Marines, I'm gonna miss you. 
you're always telling me to get lost and to sit on it. You even told me I was useless. Ralphie, don't you know when I'm joshing? Sometimes it's hard to admit I was, I was wrong. Sometimes it's hard for us to confess our sins, to admit our mistakes, to say the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. You may not believe this, but earlier this week, my son had a challenging situation at home. He didn't quite do the things that we were expecting him to do, and he had a hard time admitting that. Now, I know that may not happen in your family, but imagine, if you will, that that may happen in someone else's family. And it's just hard. Now, the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree, does it? Because his father also has a hard time saying the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Isn't it hard sometimes for all of us? Because we want to be right. We want to do the right things. We don't want to hurt someone or offend God or do something that we may later regret. Sometimes it's hard for all of us to admit our mistakes, to confess our sins, to say the words, I was wrong. And that's why I'm so glad that God inspired David to write Psalm 32. Because in Psalm 32, David writes how we can confess our sins and experience the gift that we all need, but none of us deserve. The gift of forgiveness. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Psalm 32, page 549 in your pew Bibles. The words will also be on the screen. And as you're turning there, let me just remind you that David accomplished many great things. He was a man. He was a great leader. He was a warrior king. He unified the nation, built the capital city of Jerusalem. But he made some huge mistakes. His family was a mess. He was unfaithful to his wife. He murdered a man. He committed many sins, but he also admitted his mistakes. He experienced forgiveness, and he awakened his soul. And in Psalm 32, we find the path of forgiveness. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, whose spirit is no deceit. Blessed or happy is the man, woman, or child whose sins are forgiven. Now notice David does not write, happy is a man who makes no mistakes. That's not what he says. Blessed is the person who doesn't fail morally or financially. So now he says, he doesn't write, happy is a person who appears to have it all together. David writes, happy is the person whose sins are forgiven. It sounds a little strange. It feels a little bit odd. But blessed are the sinners. Happy are the broken. That's what David writes. And he's not the only one who writes happy as a person, fully alive as the person that experiences God's forgiveness. A thousand years later, Jesus writes the exact same words, only Jesus is more emphatic. Jesus is, is visiting the home of, of Simon, and Simon is this upright and religious man. 
And while they're reclining at the table having a meal, a sinful woman, according to Luke, enters in, barges into this meal that Simon and Jesus are having. And she drops down to Jesus' feet. And with tears rolling down her cheeks, she washes Jesus' feet and dries them with her hair and pours perfume on the feet of Jesus. This sinful woman and Simon, this righteous, upright guy, sees the sinful woman pouring and, and, and cleansing Jesus' feet. And this is what he says. He, Jesus, must not be a man from God, or he would not associate himself with a sinner. See, Simon believed what most people believe, and that is only the good people can be with God. Only those that follow the rules that are upright and righteous can have a relationship with God. And Jesus responds to this statement that Simon makes. He tells a story about two men that owe money to a moneylender. One owes a lot, one owes a little, but both are forgiven. Both debts are canceled. And Jesus says these pointed words for all of us to hear this morning. He who has been forgiven much loves much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. He who has been forgiven much loves much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Happy, blessed, fully alive are the people who have been forgiven much. See, according to the Bible, there are three people in the world. There are those that think they're too good to need forgiveness. They're the people like Simon. They're upright, they're righteous, you know, they don't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls that do. You know, they're, they have it all together. They, they, they don't think they've done anything too wrong. They're too good to be forgiven. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are those that are too bad to be forgiven. You know, their sins are so heinous in their minds. They're thinking to themselves, you know, what? there's no way that God can forgive me. I've just done way too many things wrong. And, and they think they're too bad to be deeply forgiven by God, there are those that are, are too bad. There are those that are too good. And then there are those that know they need forgiveness for their sins, and they receive it. And they're the happiest people on the planet. They're the most blessed. They're the most loving. Because he who has been forgiven much loves much. He who knows they need forgiveness and receive it are happy and blessed and the most loving people on the planet. See, if you want to awaken your soul, you must confess your sins and experience God's forgiveness. Now, David had a hard time admitting his mistakes. I mean, he was a lot worse than Fonzarelli. He had a hard time admitting and saying the words uh, was wrong. It took him a little while. He, he was a little bit slow on the take. He didn't want to admit his sins. In fact, he didn't even want to talk about it. David remained silent. This is what we read. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Though through my groaning all day long and, and night, your, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped in the heat of summer. David remained silent. He kept it inside. He didn't want to talk about his sin. He didn't want to talk about his failure. 
He didn't even want to talk to God. And what happened to him is his bones wasted away. The weight of his sin was crushing his soul. He was broken and distraught, groaning inside all day long. See, that's what happens when we refuse to confess our sin. It eats us up inside. It crushes our soul. It hurts and wounds continue inside of it. It saps our strength. See, sometimes it's hard for all of us to admit our mistakes. All too often, we're silent like David. Or, or we struggle like Fonzie to get the words out. I, 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 was, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Let me just take a quick poll this morning. Just, just raise your hand if you have a hard time admitting that you've made a mistake. Just, just raise them high, raise them proud. Okay, now let's just be honest here. Raise your hand if your siblings have a hard time admitting that they're wrong. That's what I like to see. Now raise your hand if your spouse has a hard time admitting that they're wrong. All of us, all of us, right? All of us have a hard time saying, I was wrong, please forgive me. Even though it crushes our soul, even though there's this weight that saps our strength. All of us have a hard time admitting, saying, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, I just want to do a little exercise just to help us out in our confession, okay? The words are going to be on the screen. I just want to repeat this phrase after me, okay? I'm sorry. sorry. I was wrong. wrong. Please forgive me. All right, turn to your neighbor and say that phrase. Go ahead, do that now. sorry I was wrong. Now, how did it feel to say those words? It feel pretty good? Yeah, it felt a little bit strange, you know, but it, but it felt pretty good just to kind of get that out on the road. Now, here's the next question I have for you. When was the last time you said that phrase? When was the last time you admitted to your spouse or to your siblings or to a friend that you were wrong? And you said those words, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. See, sometimes it's hard for all of us to admit our mistakes, to confess our sins. It was hard for David. David had a hard time admitting, even though he was being sapped, even though the weight was just crushing him, he was having a hard time acknowledging his sin. And then he finally spoke up. He broke the silence. He revealed the secret. He was honest with God, and he acknowledged his sin. Verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. I will take responsibility for my actions. I will admit I was wrong. I will confess my sins and say the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. And then God gave David a gift that he didn't deserve, but that he desperately needed. Forgiveness. Because that's who God is. He's a forgiving God. He forgives all who confess their sin. And this is what David experienced And you forgave the guilt of my sin. You forgave 
the guilt of my sin. You removed that heavy weight that was crushing my soul. You, God, set my heart free. You washed me whiter than snow. You gave me a new start. You forgave the guilt of my sin. You removed the weight. Therefore, because you've forgiven me, let everyone who is godly, because this is what godly people do. They confess their sin. Let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely mighty waters Rise, they will not reach him. You're my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You're my hiding place. You're my rock. You're my source. You're my strength. You replaced that crushing weight with songs of salvation. Songs of deliverance. You put a song in my heart. Isn't that what the scriptures declare? This is what we read in Corinthians. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because Jesus took the weight of our sin to the cross. We experience forgiveness because God counted Jesus as a sinner. He no longer counts our sins Against us, we're set free from the guilt and consequences of our sins, but we must confess. We must admit our sins to the Lord. We must say the words, God, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I've disobeyed you. I've loved other things. I've lied, I've cheated. God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done, for the thoughts that I've had. Will you forgive me? We must confess our sins in order to experience his forgiveness. And isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we all need is forgiveness? As we begin this day, as we enter into this week, to lighten our load, to experience his grace. And that's what he offers to all of us. All of us willing to confess, I don't have it all together. I've said some things that I've regretted. I've done some things that I know to be wrong. He gives forgiveness to all who are willing to confess. But that's not all he gives. This is not the end of Psalm 32. We might think that this would be a good ending. You know, David is struggling. You know, the weight of his sin is crushing him. He finally speaks up. He confesses his sin and God forgives him. But that's not the end. God loves David so much that the, 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 the psalm continues. First, David is speaking to God. Now God is speaking to David. And this is what God says to David. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. I won't just give you a new start, David. I'm going to give you a new path. I'm not just going to give you a new life, David. I'm going to show you a life that's truly life. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to guide you. Now that you've confessed your sin, I'm going to speak into your life, counsel you, guide you, direct you, and lead you down the path of life. God says, David, I love you way too much to leave you in your sin. I don't want you to go back to adultery. I don't want you to hide your sin with murder. I want to lead you down a path that's truly Life, And I love how God talks to David. He says, don't be like the horse or the mule, which, uh, which have no understanding and must be controlled by a 
bit and bridle or they will not come to you. It says, don't be like an animal. Don't be like a horse or a mule that needs to be controlled by a bit or a bridle. This summer I had a chance to go horseback riding with my family. And we were at Bunker Hills, and, and Laura Westberg was our trail guide. And, and we were on this little trail, and before we head out, headed out on the trail, she gave us these simple instructions, some safety instructions. And then she said these words. The horse has a propensity to try to lean down and eat the grass or eat the leaves while we're on the trail. When that horse does that, yank on that bride, or on that, on that uh, bride. What is it called? Thank you. That's what it is. Yank on that thing. Don't let that horse go down and eat that grass. Because he has a propensity towards you. Even though he knows or she knows he's not supposed to do that. Yank on that thing. And that's what God says to David. He says, don't do that. Don't be like the guy that's always going down to eat the grass. Learn your lesson, David. Don't go on that cycle of sin and confess and sin and confess and be broken and broken and broken. David, please learn your lesson. Because I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I just don't want to give you a new start. I want to give you a new way of living. I just don't want to give you a new path. I want a, a, new, a new story. I want to lead you, David, down a life that's truly Life And God says to David, many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. There's sin all around us. But the Lord surrounds those who follow him, who trust in him, who say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts, I'm going to put my trust in you because you have my best interest in mind. I'm going to follow you. The Lord's love surrounds that person. See, this is what God gives to David. It's more than just a clean slate. It's a new start. It's a new path. It's a new way of living. See, that's what God gives everyone who's willing to confess, to admit, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I've disobeyed you, I've loved other things, would you please forgive me? And that's why David ends the psalm this way. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous, sing, all you who are upright in heart. Rejoice, be glad, you're forgiven. I've given you a new start and a new way to live. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. They're the happiest people on the planet. You know, as a kid, I had a chance to confess my sins in this little place they call a confessional. And I would go into this room and I would talk about my sins and I basically said the same thing. I says, you know, I'm sorry for, you know, not really treating my siblings very well and not really listening to my parents. And as I was entering into this confession, it was more of a burden than a blessing. It was like I was trying to appease God. God is this angry God. I got to say these things and then it appeases him and then I can go on with the rest of my day. And I didn't really quite understand The blessing of confession. See, as a child, confession was a burden. I was trying to appease God. But now as an adult, confession is a blessing. As a child, confession was something I did for God. As an adult, confession is something that I need from God. Because as I grow in my relationship with God, I see more and more and more of my sin, of my disobedience, 
and my need for forgiveness. Because there really are only three people on the planet. Those that are too good to think they need forgiveness, you know, they're upright, they're righteous, they do the right things, they, they haven't murdered anybody, they think they're pretty good people. And they, don't, they think they don't need, and there, there are those on the opposite side of the spectrum who say, you know what, I'm too bad to be deeply forgiven. I've done way too many things wrong. I lived personally in that circle. I didn't think that God could forgive me. But then there are those who know they need forgiveness and they receive it. And they're the happiest, most loving, fully alive people on the planet. Which one are you? Which one would you like to be today? Would you be willing to confess your sins to the Lord and experience forgiveness? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather in your name to hear from you and to receive from you the gift that we all desperately need, but none of us deserve. Forgiveness. And Lord, I pray that even now you would do a work inside each one of us to confess we don't have it all together. They confess our sins to you and to experience forgiveness. That you would awaken our souls. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.